Uh, glad to see you too. I I had a I had a book I was looking for, and um, I was actually really excited because I couldn't find it in the library. And I went and checked the box and found that one of you checked it out. And you know what? That makes me excited because I have a copy at home, so I didn't need the one in the library. And I was glad to see that somebody had checked the book out that was relevant to our study today. That means somebody's checking it out on their own, and that's really exciting to me. Could we have the screen up there? What I'd like to do this afternoon is together work and learn some people and some places so that as we continue on in our study of the prophets and the captivity of Israel, you all will have a foundation so that you're not like saying like, who's who and how and what and how, huh? And, and my goal is to introduce them to you and then to do a little bit of drilling amongst ourselves. And then the goal of that would be then to also for you to take home some information and do, invest a little on your own to be able to piece things together. Because if you know some basics going into the study, you'll be able to understand so much more. And just as, a, just as an illustration for you this morning, we were looking at Jeremiah chapter 22, and um, you may read in your normal um, routine Bible reading of whatever schedule you may have of reading through your Bible, um, you may come to Jeremiah 22, and you, and you may be reading here, thus saith the Lord, touching Shalom. Oh, who's that? Or it continues on, and, and it says here that... Um, uh, therefore, thus saith the Lord concerning Jehoiakim. And uh, you might say, who's that? And then it comes, continues on and it says, As I liveth, saith the Lord, though Coniah. Who's Coniah? And um, you may have heard those names. And even looking here on the screen, you might have said, Oh, 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 I see one. I see them. Well, <laughs> they're there, but that's not their common names. Some of them are not their common names. And so I'd like to introduce to you the people, including the kings and the prophets, and then the places, and then some major events and how they interact with each other. See, we read our Bibles, and our Bibles are not all in chronological order. Uh, they build on top of each other, and so we need a little bit of foundation and understanding all of it. So you've seen this timeline before, right? I hope that it's familiar to you, not in a sense that you block it out, but that it's familiar to you in the sense that you could actually, if called upon, reproduce it. Maybe not to scale, but to get a few of those names in their spots. I mean, really, if I could give you a goal, would be for you to take this whole timeline and to be able to take it blank, so you have the timeline and all the allotments for the kings, and be able to put the king's names in their order, in their boxes, um, you're able to do that, and you will find that as you're just reading your Bibles, and I don't mean just in Kings and Chronicles, but all of the prophets, you will understand so much more as it will piece together who is who. And somewhat is true for certain places. But that would be a really good goal, and really my goal for us today is, as you see Josiah there, my goal for you today is to become familiar with these last five kings and the reason why I'm making a bigger deal about it here 
in these last five kings than I have in any other parts of the kings is because these five guys are scattered all through the prophets. And they occur in so many different places. Um, just like Hezekiah and Ahaz were in Isaiah, we only had two kings, and they were pretty easy to keep track of, Ahaz and Hezekiah. Now it's a lot more complicated, and so I want you to kind of get an idea of them. So here you can see we have Josiah, we have Jehoahaz, we have Jehoiakim, we have Jeconiah, and we have Zedekiah. Got it? I'm sure you don't, because I don't even have it. And I just have gone through it and studied it quite a lot. Who are these guys, and how are they related? Well, normally in Kings, they go from one to the next, right? So Hezekiah here was the father of Manasseh. Manasseh was the father of Ammon. Ammon was the father of Josiah. But it doesn't quite work that way with the last four kings. So I want to show you this chart here and review for you how they piece together. So Josiah is the dad, and these four names are his children. We know nothing about this guy other than his name. And we have these three guys and then a grandson. All right? So the five kings, end of Judah, are here. First is Josiah. When Josiah died fighting Pharaoh Necho, the people made Jehoahaz king. Jehoahaz reigned only three months when Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt, came, removed him from being king, and appointed his brother Jehoiakim to be king. Jehoiakim reigned 11 years, during which time Babylon gained its world dominance, including over Egypt. And at the end of Jehoiakim's reign, um, he, he died a very unpleasant death. And his son, Jeconiah, was made king. Jeconiah was a wicked and an evil king, and he only reigned for three months and ten days. At the end of the three months and ten days, he was taken by Nebuchadnezzar and was brought and imprisoned in Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar removed him from being king, and made his brother Zedekiah king. And Zedekiah reigned under the authority of the king of Babylon for 11 years. At the end of his reign, he was taken before the king of Babylon, where his sons were executed. He saw his sons executed. Then his eyes were gouged out, and he was carried and put in prison in Babylon. There is a summary of the basics of these five kings. And that marked the end of the royal family of Judah. So that summary is a summary that is just the basics of these kings. That if you know that story, all the other details and events, you can plug into it. All right? If you know that story. But now I'm going to complicate it. Well, I'm not going to complicate it. Nebuchadnezzar complicated it, Pharaoh Necho complicated it, and a few other people complicated it. Here you see these names, nice and easy. You just learned five names, right? Josiah, Jehoahaz, Jehoiakim, Jeconiah, Zedekiah, right? Nope, because if we look at it, that's all the names you got to know to who's who. So what I would recommend for you is to 
um, in the family Bible readings, we have, I have this laid out for you, um, encouraging you really to work on memorizing all of these names. And you could play some games. You know, we play matching games all the time. My mom always used to talk about playing matching games and playing games using Bible themes. This would be a great matching game to match up whose name goes with who and in what order they go would help you in knowing these. Now, why is that important for you? You at least need to have this chart very handy in your Bible. Because if you are reading Jeremiah, um, particularly Jeremiah, you need to know all of these names. Because Jeremiah, depending on who he's talking to, when he's talking to him, uses these different names. And if you don't know, or if you don't have a good study Bible, and I'm actually very shockingly surprised that how many study Bibles don't help us out on this, you would think that it would be pretty cut and dry saying, put it in the margin, this is his other names, but it doesn't happen very often. Knowing these names will help you to understand Jeremiah. But if, you, if, if, if you're like me, and your brain's not that smart and can't hold all of it, then at least have this chart, cut it out of your family Bible readings, or you got a digital copy in your email this morning, print it out and put it in your Bible or put it in your harmony, put it in a place where you can access it to be able to understand how these people fit together. Because so much of why we struggle to bring practical application from Old Testament is because we spend all of our mental energy trying to understand who's who and what's going on. But if we are easily able to find out who's who and what's going on, it's a lot easier for us to then focus on excuse me, the, the, what we can learn from these people. So here, here they are. So who's the granddad in this? Josiah. Okay, say it with me, everybody together. Who's the granddad? And then who was king? Jehoahaz. Everybody? And then who was king? Jehoiakim. Say it together. And then who was king? Jeconiah, and then who was king? Zedekiah. All right. See how they bounced around from grandfather to youngest son to oldest likely living son to grandson back up to uncle. Bounced all around. And remember, part of the reason why it was bouncing all around and was so chaotic here is because there was, they were no longer sovereign. We talked about that in Bible Hour this morning. Josiah was the last sovereign king. Remember, Nathan, we talked about sovereign? Why were the other guys no longer sovereign? Do you remember? Can somebody help you out? Who could help him out? Why was Josiah? Yes. Because they had to rule under another king. So Josiah was really the theocratic king directly under God, but this guy was set up by the people and didn't last but three months because Pharaoh Necho came and removed him and set up this guy. So this guy was actually accountable to Pharaoh Necho. In the middle of his reign, it transferred to Nebuchadnezzar. This guy was set up by Nebuchadnezzar, and this guy was set up by Nebuchadnezzar. So none of them were sovereign. So another thing to help you, and this is, again, a chart for you to have. I'm curious. Um, there is a commentary called the Bible Knowledge Commentary by Wolverd and Zuck. How many of you have that in your home? Okay. Um, I'm curious if you, some of you could check your phones 
that use your phones for Bible study if you have the Bible knowledge commentary. Don't do it right now, but maybe could you jot a note to yourself or a reminder to yourself? I'd like to know if you have the Bible knowledge commentary. Bible knowledge commentary is a two-volume commentary written by Walbert and Zuck, and um, it is a very helpful, quickly, um, to get a quick answer. Miss Foltz, you have it. That's the set I told you you had to keep. Um, so the Bible knowledge commentary is a very helpful commentary. That if you have a question on something, it can quickly give you the answer. And in that commentary is this chart, and I will take the liberty of reproducing this chart, and you go, oh, no, a chart. Oh, this chart has helped me so much to understand the book of Jeremiah. Um, Jeremiah is, like other Hebrew books, not in chronological order. And you all might be like me saying, no, I need chronology. I need it in order. Jeremiah is not in order. So if you look at this chart, over here you see the kings. You now know who Josiah is, right? And Jehoahaz and Jehoiakim and Jehoiakim and Zedekiah. And here we've added on a guy named Gedaliah. He's not really a king, though. Um, but he's, he's, these guys are over here. Um, and then over here we have some major events. We're going to come talk about this here in a few minutes. But if you look here at the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah's prophecy, as we continue going this way, we start in Jeremiah chapter 1, verses chapter 1 through 6, was given up here in 625 B.C. during the reign of Josiah. Chapters 7 through 10 were given during the reign of Jehoahaz. Chapters 11 and 12 are back up in Josiah's day. Chapter 13 is in Jehoiakim's day. Chapters 14 to 20 are in Jehoiakim's day, up early in his reign. And, and you see, it just bounces all over the place. So, if you would like this chart, Jeremiah's chronology, can you jot down a note and just give it to me? Um, or that pastor, I have a question card in the pew, um, because I don't want to print it if you're not going to use it, but I really think it would be helpful for all of you to have it. Um, if you already have the Bible knowledge commentary, this is where this chart comes from. But if you're trying to understand Jeremiah and how Jeremiah fits and who he's talking to, this chart will help you fit it all together as they've gone through and shown how Jeremiah is bouncing back and forth. And the reason is, is that poor Jeremiah, he'd write stuff and bring it to the king, and the king would cut it up and throw it in his fire, you know? So, of course, he couldn't write stuff in order. Um, but really, what's going on here is that Jeremiah did have many different prophecies that had been recorded at different times, and then at the end, these were compiled together, and that's part of the reason why they're in, out of order. But it's intriguing. Jeremiah is a very valuable book to read from chapter 1 to the end, but it's also a very valuable book to read in this order chronologically because you get a whole new picture of the history and the progression of the events and the sermons and how they develop, and it's really intriguing. So this is a very, very helpful chart for you all. So, let's come back here to review. Who's the granddad king? Josiah. Josiah. And after... Oh, why are you misbehaving? We'll just do it without the crowns. Josiah, then who? Jehoahaz, then who? Jehoiakim, then who? Jeconiah, then who? Very, very good. 
Okay. These are the Jewish kings. Now, let's keep with people here for a moment, and let's come back to this timeline, which we've seen. Do you see the prophets in black at the bottom? These are the prophets during this time. Jeremiah, Daniel, and Ezekiel. Jeremiah, Daniel, and Ezekiel. Now, Jeremiah was the longest of these here, um, or the earliest, but yet the others began their ministries at specific times. They began their ministries, but they were alive before that time. And so, seeing how these fit together, Jeremiah has a ministry to Josiah, and all through these reigns, Jeremiah is involved. And in fact, you may notice we're almost done with 2 Kings and we're almost done with 2 Chronicles. But yet you're like, I thought I knew some more stories from this history. Like, I thought, where do we learn about Jehoiakim chopping up Jeremiah's roll? Scroll. We learn about it in Jeremiah. It's not recorded in the Kings or the Chronicles. So, so we think of Jeremiah as a book of prophecy, and it is. It's got a lot of sermons, but it also has a lot of um, narrative, history in it as well. And again, it's out of order, so you have to pay attention to that. So we've got these kings here, Josiah, Jehoahaz, Jehoiakim, Jeconiah, Zedekiah, Jeremiah as a prophet, Daniel the prophet, and Ezekiel the prophet. Now, before we go on to some key events, I'd like us to look at a map. This is a map of the Babylonian Empire. So this would have been the map of Babylon at its greatest power, which was during the time of Daniel, at the peak of Nebuchadnezzar's reign. So the purple here is the Babylonian kingdom. And so if we zoom in here, some of the people we've been meeting is this morning we met Pharaoh Necho, right? And Pharaoh Necho is from what kingdom? Egypt, that's right. Pharaoh Necho is from Egypt. He ends up losing, for the most part, as time goes by. Remember earlier I was talking about Carchemish? Here is the city of Carchemish. Um, remember here that it said that, um, that um, um, Jehoahaz was bound not in Jerusalem, he was bound in, in Hamath, that's up here, or Riblah in Hamath, this is way up here in the north, north of Damascus, way, 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 way far north. And then he was carried to Egypt as, as, as a prisoner. As time goes by here, Egypt loses power. In the end, Judah loses power to Babylon, and the capital is over here. Capital of Babylon is over here. You see that? Nineveh, capital of Assyria, is up here. Jerusalem, capital of Israel, is here. Those are very important cities for you to know where they're at. So what's going on here in these events is the events begin in Jerusalem, and then we end up with Daniel over in Babylon, we end up with, um, with Ezekiel, not actually in the city of Babylon, but in one of these um, river cities. And then as time keeps on going, you remember we have Mordecai and Esther? They're not in Babylon. 
they're over here in Susa. Over here. So our main cities of events in the captivity time period are Jerusalem, Babylon, and Susa. Yes. Yep. Shushan is. Shushan, Susa. Babylon, Jerusalem. You got those events? So here again, another note for you is, all this part here, you notice there's nothing here but a title? That's because most of this is desert. According to prophecy, this will not be desert. This will come alive in the kingdom of Christ in the future. But right now, this is all desert. And the fertile crescent is this shape right here. And so this is the main along the Euphrates River here and then down along the Mediterranean to Egypt. These are where all the trade routes are. So actually, when you would come from Babylon, you didn't come like this. You would come up and down. You wouldn't cross the desert. The army couldn't survive crossing this desert. So you'd go up and you'd come down. All right. Nathan, if I hand you this pointer, do you think you could point at Babylon? Top button up here. Babylon. Nope, nope. Over on the Euphrates. There you go. Very good, okay. Who wants to give a try for Jerusalem? Point at Jerusalem. There you go, there you go, there's Jerusalem. All right, um, I'm not going to give you the name of the city. Someone tell me where Esther was. Who wants to try that one? Where was Esther? No, people all go there. Where was Esther? Top, top button. Very good, Susa. All right, those are key places to know. Babylon, Jerusalem, and Susa. Nineveh would be another one, but Nineveh has passed at where we're at in history now. Okay. Now there are three major events, and there are three dates I'd like you to know. 606 B.C., 597 B.C., and 586 B.C. How many of you are vaguely at least familiar with these dates? Good, 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 good. I one time had a conversation with somebody who struggled with the Bible and his sincerity that the Bible had contradictions. And he was like, well, everybody talks about the Babylonian captivity, but when I'm reading the Bible, it's always talking, it seems like there were like 10 captivities. And he was exaggerating it. But he had noticed something that other people who aren't paying attention don't notice. And that is that there wasn't just one captivity. There were three, three of them. And what's interesting here is, remember Huldah's prophecy that these horrors would take place after Josiah died? What year did Josiah die? 609 B.C. 609 B.C. When he died, chaos began. And it reached the first climax three to four years later, 606 or 605 B.C., and then it reached another climax in 597 B.C., and then another in 586 B.C. Now, before I tell you what these are, I'm wondering, can anyone here tell me what these are without me? What are, is significant about these dates? Anybody want to give it a shot? Brother Rinks, 
Yes, sir. Not sure what happened. Can anybody add to what, what, William, you know? What happened in that middle one? No, Rome isn't, doesn't come till AD 70. You're way ahead there, AD 70. Babylon brought the utter destruction of 586 BC. Anybody help out? What's that middle one? What's that 597 BC? Anybody know what particular was unique about that? Oh, good. That means we need to go through this. So Mr. Rinks is right. In 606 or 605 BC, we had what's known as the first deportation. This is when Nebuchadnezzar came to Jerusalem and um, he basically carried away captive the princes, the educated, the wealthy, the influential of the kingdom, including Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Those four Hebrew men, whom we know as Daniel, Belteshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were carried away captive to Babylon in 606 or 605 B.C., all right? 597 B.C. was the second deportation. And in this time, Nebuchadnezzar came, and he carried away 10,000 captives. They rounded up of the people 10,000 captives. And among them, famous, notable people included Mordecai, so Esther's uncle, cousin, not sure how they're related exactly, but Mordecai and Ezekiel. Mordecai and Ezekiel are part of those 10,000 captives. So actually, if you look at these pictures here, these pictures are here to aid you in remembering. 606, do you see those four boys? You know those names, right? Those are among the princes of Judah. Then the next picture, you see men being carried away as captives. Now, this isn't a picture of 10,000, but there were 10,000, so you can imagine that one of those is Mordecai. 586 B.C. was the third deportation, and in this one was the total destruction of Jerusalem. And so that's why you see here now, yet people keep being carried away captive, but you can see Jerusalem burning in the background to help you remember. These are three very important events. 606 B.C., the first deportation, including Daniel and his three friends. 597 B.C., the second deportation, 10,000 captives, including Ezekiel and Mordecai. And then in 586 B.C., the third deportation, which was the total destruction of Jerusalem. Now, let me show that to you in a timeline. If you actually look in your harmony, if you have your harmony, this timeline is in your harmony. It's in your harmony on the first page where you can see it up close. So we have here, to just orient you on what's going on here, we have King Josiah, King Jehoahaz, King Jehoiakim, King Jeconiah, and King Zedekiah. Here are the dates. Every line is a year. Every line is a year. So here in 609 B.C. is when Josiah died, and Jehoahaz became king for three months. But he was, what happened to Jehoahaz? What happened to Jehoahaz? Mrs. Rinks? 
Mr. Rinks, you're looking at her. Did she get the right king? Josiah got hit by the arrow. Jehoahaz. You're right. She's got Josiah. Got hit by an arrow with Nico's army. So at the end of his reign is when uh, Pharaoh Nico came back, bound him, Mr. Smith. Nope. Jehoahaz was the youngest son. Pharaoh Nico came. He was appointed by, as king by the people. And Pharaoh Nico came, bound him, and carried him away to Egypt. So just as Jeremiah prophesied, Jeremiah prophesied that he would, he would be carried away to a land not of his nativity, and he would never see his land of his nativity, his birthplace, ever again. And that's Jehoahaz. So he reigned for three months, and then Pharaoh Necho carried him away captive. That's Jehoahaz. Then Jehoiakim, you see he reigned for 11 years. And if we move our red line here, we come to 606 B.C. So now you see we're just barely into the 606 B.C. Um, reign of Jehoiakim, and there's a deportation. So what happened here is Jehoiakim resisted Nebuchadnezzar. So Pharaoh Necho loses power, and Jehoiakim is like, I'm not submitting to, Jer to, to, to Nebuchadnezzar, but he had to, and it ended up resulting in the princes being carried away. So that's when Daniel and his three friends got carried away. Now, I don't have it up here on this timeline because I didn't want to overwhelm you because I already know I've overwhelmed some of you. But if you were to put Daniel on top of this, so the famous image of Nebuchadnezzar, that's all happening before Zedekiah and Jerusalem is destroyed. Some of the major events we think of in the book of Daniel as part of the captivity actually happened shortly after they begin, they begin right here in Jehoiakim's reign, all, all the events of Daniel. And they go far beyond but that's, this, is, this, is where they, this is where they begin. So here is the 606. And what happened in 606? Four famous people. 606, four famous people. Who are those four famous people? Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That wasn't their Hebrew names, but we'll, those, are, those are their famous names. That's right here, 606. 6605. If you hear me say 605, I'm talking about 606 because there's, there's some discussion as to whether or not it fell in which year. Um, but 605, 606 BC. All right? Now, if we move forward here, here we come to 597 BC. So that's that major event. Notice what's going on with the kings down at the bottom. Now, Jehoiakim is removed from king and Jeconiah is made king. So what's going on here is, actually in about 600 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar besieges Jerusalem. And the end of that besiege, or that siege, resulted in Jehoiakim getting drug out of the city and given the burial of an ass. No burial. He was just drug outside the city and left in the ditch. And his son was made king. And as soon as his son became king, Nebuchadnezzar conquered Jerusalem. He didn't destroy it. He conquered it. And he takes Je Jeconiah, or Jehoiakim, or Coniah, and he carries him to Babylon and puts him in captivity. 
Um, so that's taking place in 597, and among those captives also include two other famous people. Not Jeremiah, but Ezekiel. Who's the other one? Yes, Mordecai. Mordecai. So here we are. That's here. So again, here's a siege of Jerusalem that results in the king getting drugged outside the city dead and given the burial of an ass. And then um, a new king coming to power for three months and ten days, and he's carried away at that point to Babylon as a prisoner along with 10,000 other captives. And then we come to the most famous of these events, which is in 586 B.C., which is the final deportation and the destruction of Jerusalem. So, who can tell me what happened in 60... Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Smith, question. Mm-hmm. Yes. So if you... Correct. So part of the reason why... So, so Nico disposed Jehoahaz, and then in the middle of Jehoiakim's reign, you see in 606 B.C., which is in a few years, is when Nebuchadnezzar gained full power. Conquered Egypt. Egypt is, sub, is, is subjugated by Babylon, and then he comes back to Jerusalem, and he subjugates Jerusalem. And the way he manipulated them is by taking all of their princes. So here you now have the, the powerful, the powerful, powerful king and families, and they took all their princes away, and it was a way of saying, you mess up, and we're going to kill your boys that we have with us in Babylon. But it was also a strategy, brilliant on the part of Babylon, because they could take these captives into Babylon and they could indoctrinate them into the Chaldean ways so that they would understand it. So that then, as time went by, they could set them up as kings, potentially, or rulers back in their native lands where they understood both cultures and now they could function as an integrated society. That was Babylon's strategy. Why was Jehoiakim? There is no reason other than the fact that in Jeremiah 22, what we read this morning, where God compared him to his father of his wickedness, utter wickedness, is that it was just, God said, you are done. There's no, there's no logical explanation as to why he was drug outside the city because he was drug outside the city, presumably before the city even was turned over to Nebuchadnezzar. It was on, some people think, because it's only in the prophecy that we know it. There's, the historical record doesn't record it. But some people think that they actually took it to appease, that they actually assassinated the people, assassinated their king, and just threw him over the wall to Nebuchadnezzar and said, here, take this guy. And he was so hated. He was a very oppressive. Jeremiah 22, evil, evil, evil king. But there's no, there's no political reason other than the judgment of God as to why he abruptly dies and receives the burial of an ass, an unclean beast, just drug outside the city. Any other question? Yes, Mrs. Rinks. Yes, so each of these times there was tribute continued all the way through this. See, Jehoiakim, the reason why Nebuchadnezzar came to besiege Jehoiakim is because Jehoiakim 
decided, fooey this, I'm going to rebel against Nebuchadnezzar. I've got enough power. I've got enough strength. And so he rebelled. And in rebelling, that's what brought the trouble as well. And again, he was using, he was using his, um, his oppression. He was, he was oppressing the people, building himself palaces while he was himself under the tribute of Nebuchadnezzar. It just made no sense. Mr. Rinks. Yes, sir. I am very excited that you know that. Did you all hear that? He's exactly right. In 606 BC is when they carried away the aristocrats, the princes, the wealthy, the influential. And then in the 587, 597, 597, um, they carried away the skilled workers. So the artisans and the skilled people were among those 10,000. And then um, in 586, it was more of the common people that were carried away. I, we, we don't have time today. I wanted to give you an overview, but we could go in and show you, and actually in your harmonies, um, in your harmonies, you'll, you'll see how these are laid out. You'll see where they flow in each way as they go. And so here we have the utter final. So to recap, 606 B.C., who was carried away captive? The princes. Yes, I heard the princes. So it would be Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah in 606. 597, who were two famous people for 597? Ezekiel and not Jeremiah. Just to give you a heads up, Jeremiah gets carried away captive to Egypt. And you might say, huh? Yeah. He is carried away captive by his own people to Egypt against his will and against his advice. So yes, Ezekiel and Mordecai were carried away captive along with 10,000. And then what was the event that took place in 586 BC? Final deportation and total destruction of Jerusalem. I know that was a lot. Thank you for bearing with me through it. I do want to, if there is anything here of these charts that you would like to have a personal copy of, either in print or email to you, please send me an email, jot me a note, and I will print and get for you any of these different charts to help you and prepare you as we continue into um, the study of these kings. Um, One more thing as we close. Just one more thing. Take your Bibles and turn with me to two pages. The first is 2 Kings 24.8. So turn with me to 2 Kings 24.8. And turn to 2 Chronicles 36.9, 2 Kings 24.8 and 2 Chronicles 36.9.
2 Kings 24, 8, and 2 Chronicles 36, 9. Could you, in your own minds, read those two verses? And then let me know if you have any questions. Second Kings 24, 8, and Second Chronicles 36, 9. Mr. Rinks is sitting out there smiling. He's been studying ahead. 2 Kings 24, 8, and 2 Chronicles 36, 9. Anybody have any questions? Is that your question? How many of you had that question? I did too. How many of you know the answer? Ah. Well, let me, let me caution you on something. Some of your Bibles may be like mine, my study Bible. And my study Bible says that this must be a scribal error. Um, too often when we find things like that, that is the opinion that is jumped to, that there must be an error. There must have been a mistake in the transcription of this through all the years. Um, I'm going to submit to you the presupposition that the Bible does not have any contradictions. So, when this says in 2 Kings that, just, that um, Jeconiah was made king at eight years old, and 2 Chronicles says that he was made king at, or I'm sorry, 2 Chronicles says 18 years old, and 2 Chronicles says eight years old, I submit to you that there is a resolution to it other than the conclusion that there is just a mistake in copying it over the years. But what is that solution? I'm going to leave you all hanging because I'd kind of like you to do a little bit of thought yourself for you to ask, ask this question. I once had somebody tell me, oh, why'd you point that out to me? I was doing just fine believing the Bible was true, and then you point this out to me. Ah. I point it out to you because somebody else might point it out to you who sincerely is questioning the truth of the Bible and wanting to know what's the resolution to this. I'll suggest to you that there are actually multiple different very reasonable suggestions as to how this can be reconciled honoring the Hebrew Masoretic text that we have today. Instead of us jumping to a conclusion that there's a contradiction, it's wise for us to say, we don't have the whole story. We don't have all of the information to come to a very firm conclusion. But I am going to leave you hanging, but I do have 10 copies of an article that is written by Dr. Floyd Nolan Jones, who I've shown you his book before, right here, Chronology of the Old Testament, and I've printed 10 copies of this article, and he goes into some detail, and oh, look at this chart, you think my charts are complicated, as he has gone through to try to explain reasonable explanations 
as to why one record says one thing and another says another thing. Um, so I'm going to point you in this direction, but I'm curious to know what your Bibles say, and I'm curious for you guys to yourself study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. You do not need to be ashamed that King says 18 and Second Chronicles says 8. There are very reasonable explanations as to why the two different ages are given. But you know what? You're going to have to do as the New Testament says, study to show thyself approved unto God as a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. So I want to sign for all of you. Start with families. Seek to find the answers and understand the answers and put a note in your Bible so that any time in the future when you yourself go, what's that? Or you have someone else ask you, you, ha you can remember the study that you did in 2022 as to why does one say eight and one say 18? I've given you a good solution here to help you find it, but I'm not going to tell you the answer, at least not right off. I want you guys to do a little bit of struggling through it. And I want you to read in your study Bibles where it says it's a scribal error and say, I don't like that. And seek to understand why you don't like it. And why is that such a big deal? All right. Thank you all so much. We'll leave it at that. But I'm going to just tell you right up, I will tell you this much. God's word is inspired. And God has preserved his word. And so we conclude and we can be presumptuous in presuming that there's a resolution to the two ages, all right? Great God, we give thanks to you for your word. May we indeed be workmen that need not be ashamed. May we recognize that to understand so much of this history and then to be able to learn the lessons from it, that we need to be good workmen. We need to study. We need to seek to search out a matter, for you have said that it is the honor of kings to search out a matter. So may we be as honorable kings. For we are joint heirs with you, Christ. We are royalty, and you've revealed this to us. May we not be ashamed when the gainsayers may object to your word or level accusation of contradiction, but may we prepare ourselves and be true workmen that needeth not to be ashamed. We thank you for your word. We thank you that when we look at all the different records and we see the Babylonians and the Assyrians and the Egyptians try to boast in glory in their nations and kingdoms, that when it comes to your word, we have an accurate, reliable record. And that is such a joy, so incredibly freeing as we seek to resolve these matters. And so, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your people here today. I pray that you will help them as they study that they need not be ashamed. We love you now in Christ's name. Amen.